The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 374. Going to talk some fancy baseball with the first timer on the show. About time he's on the show. And this is my fault, not his, but, but uh, it's about time we get him on the show. He's the good doctor. You can find him on Twitter at MDRC0508. He's got written content at rotofanatic.com, fan tracks, SP streamer, and probably much, much more. As he is a busy, busy man. And he's always on the Twitter streets having a good time. Mike Carter, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Bob. It is a pleasure for me to be able to be here with you. I've been uh, listening to you for a really long time, and to be able to get on the show with you is like kind of a dream come true for me. So I appreciate you having me on tonight. Thanks. I appreciate the kind words, but like we said before, like I said before the show, you do awesome content, and people that do awesome content, I want to talk with them. So uh, I'm looking forward to chatting it up. Before we get into some of the topics we have written down, I, I mentioned where you can be found. Let everybody know what you have going on where you're found. <laughs> what don't I have going on is a better question, right? Now, yep. um, I, I work primarily at, at Roto Fanatic and doing the closing remarks uh, article that comes out on Sundays. I'm also working at Fantrax covering their two-start pitchers, which I'm learning on the fly about, which is uh, is hard work. Um, and and it, it takes a lot of time to be able to get that done right. And then I'm uh, also working at SP Streamer again for Michael Simeone, um, covering some guys that you might be able to get on the waiver wire that are owned in less than 20% of online champions league. So I do that on Sundays as well. Um, feedback has been really good on those things. It's a lot of fun. I'm just really excited that I get to be able to do it. Um, and it takes a lot of time to do it, but it's a labor of love as we all know who, who are going through those things, you know? So it's a blast. Yeah, no doubt about it. The, the work we do, it's some people can read it in a couple minutes. Took us way more than that, but it's because we enjoy doing it. And uh, I, I like, I know a lot of people that all the sites you work at, but like Simeon, we talked about earlier, 
I consider him like a good friend of uh, the community. I've had him on a handful of times. I've been on his show a handful of times. And I love the additions he started to make this year by branching out to different written content from different things by yourself or cheesecakes on there doing catcher streamers and so many other things. It's it's really cool to see how he's slowly growing that brand and uh, now he's going to Twitch and stuff. So that's one of the next sites. Like there's a bunch of sites out there and that's one of the ones I kind of see eventually taking off once he continues to do what he's doing. So that's a good one to be a part of right there. And I, and honestly, I do look at your fan tracks article regularly on, I don't, it, it comes across my timeline because people retweet, you have, they have the fan tracks retweet thread. And I know about this one. So it, it uh, somehow throughout the weekend, it'll pop up on my timeline many times. And I always check it out because, man, in this world of pitchers, two-star pitchers, you avoid the gombers, you don't avoid the gombers, all the fun stuff, but it's fun to see. And you break it down in a very simple way. And that's one thing I like about what you do and other other people do it too. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes too much analysis is too much. And you want to keep it simple, and that's one of the things I do. But, hey, I love what you do because you, you, you just like, these are the, the starters, these are the kind of starters. These are the, I know you have different phrases for them, but uh, it makes it very cut and dry and easy to understand, and that's what I appreciate. So, Oh, I appreciate the kind words. Thanks for that, man. I, it means a lot coming from you. And I tried to come up with a way to do that. I have to give a shout-out to Dave Swan for that because mm-hmm. he was he helped me get in at Fantrax, and he was kind of recruiting me and said that they had a spot there to do that and then forewarned me that it was really hard to get those right. Uh, and and the people that read it, they let you know if you don't have oh. it right, um, as we've talked about offline before, right? So um, it's been really an interesting thing to do, but it is uh, definitely an interesting thing to be able to look at and try to figure out, you know, w- with rainouts, who's getting pushed back and who's not. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. But Dave was the one who said, make it more interesting, you know, and uh, I made it to do the top shelf and the middle shelf as if you were at the liquor store trying to figure out. Uh, what you have budgeted for that week and Perfect. just kind of do it that way. It's been fun. I like it. Yeah. And, and Dave's a great guy. Dave's been on the show before and I work with him a little bit at Roto Baller. He's a good dude. Really, really good dude. So yeah, you got, you got a good thing going there. I keep it. The two star pitchers is, well, predicting anything's tough in baseball. I guess the thing we talk about is analysts. It's, you almost want to be like the weatherman. Can I be right like 40% of the time? Cause <laughs> I think I'd be pretty darn good that way. Right. We're relying on using stats and hoping the guys continue stats so it's it's like it's a tough formula to say the least that's but, for sure um let's get into some recent news as usual it stinks because most of the recent news is always injury related but that's the world we live in nowadays and we'll start with jordan alvarez uh, the guy was piping hot for a while there kind of cooled down and now he he's uh, out with with a wrist injury and kind of makes sense why he might have slowed down a little bit i wonder how long he's had this wrist injury um, what's your level of concern here? Because I'm I'm worried when any power hitter gets a wrist injury, but it's like the Astros are kind of playing it quiet right now, and they've done this a lot with Jordan. So what's your thoughts here? Yeah, he's he he was pretty hot there for a while. He's three for his last twenty six, I think I read this morning. Uh now the the wrist injury thing coming up and you know, Dusty is not always the most forthcoming when it comes to uh, sharing the injury news that he has for any of his players on any of the teams that he's managed. It's very concerning. I mean, the guy's game is power. Um, mm-hmm. Is right. So we have that, we have that situation with the wrist and it's concerning to me. I, I, I it doesn't, it doesn't sound real promising. I mean, if, if that power gets sapped, what does he give you? Yeah. Not much of anything, unfortunately, like he was hitting for an average there for a while, but it's like, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. I don't even know who they'd replace him with just yet. Maybe it's Lemus Diaz. He's getting run everywhere. 
uh, maybe to call up some other players. But before we get on to the next bit, bit of news, Yancey Eaton's having some fun on the chat over here. we got to throw this one out here. I know what it stands for, but Yancey wants to know, does the P on Mike's hat stand for principal? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my that's my day job, and I'm off this week, thank God. I needed a week to kind of clear the mechanism, but it is an old-school Pittsburgh Pirates yep. uh, hat that I got at PNC a few years ago. I have um, uh, a, a group of guys that I travel with every three or four years, and we go to a different stadium, and we went to PNC, and I was blown away by it. But, so my thing is to buy a hat of whatever team I'm I'm they're seen unless I go to Wrigley Field because I will never wear a Cubs fit ever, <laughs> ever. I cannot. And because you're a White a, Sox fan, right? I'm a diehard White Sox fan, yeah, but that's, that's not the exact reason why. But I could go into that some other time. But maybe offline would be a better way to tell that story. <laughs> but um, I got this hat there. I just, I, 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 it's it fits my large melon, so that was one of the hey. reasons why I got it. So. Finding a hat for the large melon, I relate. It's very, very <laughs> tricky. It's not the easiest of things. So I'm with you there. And um, the guy trip thing, that's a whole nother like podcast. It'd be fun just to have a bunch of people on talking about guy trips because I do one for football season. I prefer baseball. That's my busy time of year. As a teacher, summer is your time of year. So like it works out perfect for you. I would much rather go to baseball stadiums. I love football, but just the whole point of getting with the guys, doing things for a little bit and Oh, there's some great trips. Stories like tales tell forever, pretty much. So, yeah, absolutely. At least, at, least at least in certain crowds, you can tell forever. But, well, and it's uh, a little easier when your kids get older too, Bubba. You know, oh, my yeah. kids are 14 and 10. So, if I'm oh, gone definitely. for the weekend, they don't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Huh, just leave leave a couple dollars on the counter or something. I'll be fine." Yeah, leave the car keys, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beautiful, uh, Luke Voigt. This one's a uh, stings quite a bit because he missed start of the season with injury. Comes back, hadn't really taken off yet. We were kind of hoping he would. But now he's got a grade two oblique strain, which is just terrifying. Um, Aaron Judge missed almost two months with this same injury in 2019. This is not good, Mike. Like, it's really, really bad. What's your thoughts on um, on Luke Voigt? And in reality, like 15 teams, maybe not, but 12 teams, is he cuttable? Yeah, I think so. I mean, here's the thing for me. And I, you know, I'm I'm more known as the bullpen guy, but I was never in on Voight to begin with this year anyway. I just thought that there was just too many things that could go wrong. And some of that's just gut, obviously, right? You don't look at the statistics and you say, wow, this guy's really, he's really something. And the power is very legitimate and, and extremely real for him. But now with this injury, you know, it, we're, we're at the end of May now. I mean, when does he come back? It, and in the best case scenario, is he back August 1st? Best case scenario? How much help is he going to give you? You know, and you you got it. You're going to have to get rid of them and get somebody in there that you can use, right? I mean, I don't know who, but um, I you know I didn't get him in any of the leagues that I'm in, and I've been pretty happy with Yuli Gurriel so far uh, playing first base and a lot of teams for me. Um, luck, I'd better, I'd, I'd rather be lucky than good, right? But um, I, you know, I, I think that he's cuttable for me for sure if I had him. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. It stinks because. Like the talent's there, and last year in the shortened season, he kind of stayed healthy. But before that, we hadn't seen him stay healthy for a full season. Now it's just going to set him back some more. So, yeah, I, I think he's, he's cuttable as well. Um, you know, you look at roster resource, what the Yankees have done so far. They moved DJ to Mayhew to first base. Locks and Rugden are door at regular time at second base, which is interesting. There's also Mike Ford out there. So depending on your league and needs, those could potentially be some ads as there's injuries everywhere. So there's a lot of needs. So you got warm bodies. It's something to look at. And Mike Ford's kind of weird, like sneaky, not weird, wrong word, but he's got some good power. He does. It's just the average is kind of meh at times. So he kind of, he could be like a Luke Voigt light, maybe, um, yeah. especially in Yankee Stadium with a short portion, right? So. 
Well, you know what's going to end up happening is they're going to figure out a way to get Brett Gardner in 25 at-bats a week now. <laughs> yeah, that's already happening because Aaron Hicks is Aaron Hicks is now out for the year. So yeah, I insert, heard that. Insert Brett Gardner full-time, most likely. Not Clint Frazier. We'll play Brett no. Gardner full-time. So. The, guy has nine, the guy has nine lives, doesn't he? Yep, it's crazy. Like, we all joked about it. Uh, at the start of the season when they signed him, and it's like, okay, well, there goes Clint Frazier. Everyone's like, no, no, no. Jar- or Boone loves Clint Frazier. Well, here we are now. It's May 27th, and it's the Brett Gardner show. So <laughs> it's uh, it's clockwork in that situation. Unreal. Uh, we'll stick with the Yankees for a little bit longer here. The clue bot coming off the no-no, pitched on uh, Tuesday, and he made it three innings, left the game with a muscle strain in his right shoulder. Um, he's going to be sidelined for at least – Two months, it says. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a drop for me, Mike. Absolutely. I, I think they said what uh, one he needs to for every week that he sits, he needs another week to ramp up. So they yeah. they come up with that eight week number, which to me means you know when you're 35. Uh, I wish I was 35, but when yeah. you're 35, it, it doesn't sound promising that he's going to be able to make it back anytime soon. I think you got to move on. So is this uh, time to buy back into a guy like Debbie Garcia or Jonathan? Maybe Jonathan Loisiga comes into the the rotation for you. Would you be eyeing any of those type of guys? Yeah, I would be absolutely. I mean, I think I think Garcia is a real sneaky add, and uh, Joey La- Johnny Lasagna there, I think, yep. is uh, you know he's really he's been really good in the bullpen, and and they've um, used him as a really nice weapon down there with Chad Green. So maybe they stretch him out and and try to use him as a starter, or maybe they you know do the piggybacking thing and 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 try it that way. But you know they've got they've got some uh, ability to be able to make that work for a while. Problem is, is that the Yankees just haven't had really anything uh, with the, in the rotation besides Garrett Cole. No, nobody's really stepped up, um, and I think that's going to be more of an issue for them. It looked like Kluber was finally starting to uh, and looked more like himself. Uh, now he's hurt. So what are you going to do? Yeah, it's it's pretty rough in that scenario. So I like the Debbie uh, ad if he's available in your league. Keep an eye because you mentioned Lasagna has been pitching really well out of the bullpen. Maybe they keep him there because we've seen him up and down in the starting rotation. Maybe the bullpen's where he needs to be. So yeah, everybody, every kind of pitcher is different. Maybe they go and give another one of their younger pitchers a chance. I know Severino is supposed to be back, I think, uh, later June, early July. So it's kind of like, can you just hold it off for a couple more spots through the rotation? We'll see what the Yankees do there, but Devi should be back up there for sure. Yeah, it uh, wouldn't so, surprise me if they made a move either. You know, they, yeah, they, they definitely. It's been really quiet on the trade rumors front, uh, it, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they tried to lock somebody in as well. Yeah, a starter and a first baseman, like they got the tools to do it. So, don't think they don't want to win the the East again. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, Nick Senzel, like he was having a good year, still couldn't stay healthy. Now it gets even worse. He has knee surgery out four to six weeks. I'd probably put it on the six weeks side of that one. I don't know if he's droppable, but it's darn close, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have much use for him. I mean, what do you, with with the level of injuries that all of us have, and the number of guys that we have on our benches that are stashed, do you see yourself keeping a guy like Senzel and hoping for health? And then what are you going to get out of him when you get him back? I, I, I just run or anything because of the knee. Yeah, so. I mean, and that's his game, right? I mean, you're not drafting him because he's going to hit 30 home runs. You're drafting him for hoping double digits and home runs and steals, right? Which is probably not going to happen again this year. So, yeah, that makes it tricky. It also locks back in uh, Jonathan India against Tyler Naquin. Probably some much more regular at bats because that was kind of a platoon situation there. Um, Naquin was we- probably dropped in a lot of leagues. Yeah, so he probably he was. I I think he was dropped in a lot of leagues too. And another guy that I I, I find somewhat interesting there is Akiyama. Yeah. Um, 
you know, just because of the speed factor and everybody's looking for steals at this point of the game. Um, I, I think he's got a little bit more latent power than what he's shown, obviously, as well. I mean, he, he hit zero home runs last year, I think. So, uh, but he could, with an opportunity at the top of that lineup, he could score some runs too. So, yeah, we saw him at times last year get his great OBP asset. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, there's no homers, but he's getting on base and stealing a lot, especially like the last three-ish weeks, maybe four weeks, so half the season. But um, he was being very, very productive once it felt like he got comfortable, it seemed like, in the major league. So he could be an interesting one for sure because I, I, we've seen Naquin before. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm ready for the other shoe to drop, and he's back yeah. to Tyler Naquin. Like he's not going to stay this hot forever, but we'll see. Anything's possible. People make changes. But uh, it could it could open the door for Akiyama, as you mentioned, quite easily. Uh, let's go to the Houston Astros, a team that's just got an embarrassment of riches right now. Yeah. Um, their rotation just gets deeper and deeper. As now Framber Valdez will be making the start on Friday against the Padres. Probably sit back and watch that start. Maybe not throw him in the lineup just yet, even though the Padres' offense is stumbling in a sure big, big way. Yeah. So Framber's coming back on Friday. Jake Odorizzi is supposed to be back in another within a week or so. You, uh, or I think maybe even Tuesday. Uh, no, um, Urquidy's back Tuesday, so that's right. one to keep an eye on. And then Lance McCullers goes on the IL with a weird shoulder injury, but it's just precautionary, which worries me. And yeah. Christian, Javier, Christian Javier goes to the bullpen. So there's a lot going on there, Mike. What are you doing with this Astro situation? Obviously, Framber's a must. You kind of roll with Urquidy, I guess, and Odorizzi's been not great. But the McCullers injury kind of concerns me. Yeah, McCullough, you know, th- that's the thing. It's like, you know, whenever anybody brings up Lance McCullough as an injury, it's never something simple, right? Like, that's the that's the issue that he's been. He's a super effective when you have him and when he's available, but part of the game for us is a guy being available, right? So um, a couple of leagues, I got him in a couple of NFBC leagues, and I'm going to hold on to him for now uh, just until we get some news on that. But um you know, they do have an embarrassment of riches there in Houston, as you pointed out. Um, the other guy that nobody really talks about is Garcia. Garcia's yep. actually been really good, too. And so uh, they signed Odorizzi to the contract, so they're going to give him another shot on the rotation. But it would not surprise me to see him bomb out again and have one of the other guys come in and see Odorizzi used in a in a multi-inning role or a mop-up role, even for all the money they're paying him. Um you know, I, I know Ryan Presley had a stiff neck the other night, but that doesn't seem to be a lingering injury because one of those guys might be able to step in and become interesting in a closer role if something were to happen to Presley. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I, I was thinking like a Javier or a Garcia could be quite interesting in the back end of that bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen what they have, and sometimes they just can't do it more than one and a half times through the lineup, it feels like, but they've been really, really good at times. So they're, they're the kind of guys that might be like, you know what? Go throw hard for twenty pitches. Go for it. Go see exactly. What you got. I um, mean, their their backup option is Brian Abreu, right? I mean, it's yeah. like you know that doesn't really let you know light you on fire, right? No, so um, you could you could see one of those guys stepping into a role like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You mentioned a good a good part there about McCullers. It's like a lot of these guys we said cut already because we know the timeline. We know the injury. It's like yeah, Kluber two plus months gone. Like we know it. McCullers are saying precautionary. I'm always concerned when it's a shoulder thing, and he's been pitching really, really well. Yeah. So my question is, and that's why we got to wait and see, is this a Dodgeritis type thing now that they have an embarrassment of riches? It's like, hey, he missed last season with Tommy John. We wanted to limit his innings anyways. We got guys coming back. Let's just go put him over here for a little bit. And yeah, or sense. is he really hurt? Like, so that's what I've, I wanted to know. 
it, it, what the situation is here. So he's tough to drop, like you said, because if he comes back in ten days, you're going to be kicking yourself for the rest of the season. Yeah, so, I'm. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold for a while and see. You know, um, at least a week or two, uh, and see what we what we find out about that down there. Because I think that's a great point, Bob. I mean, I think with the guys that they have coming back. And the fact that that division's not really getting too far out in front of anybody, they got a little bit of time to burn because they're going to need him in September and October. Um, yep. Everybody's going to need arms by then, but he's one of the better guys around. I mean, let's face it, when he's healthy, um, he's lights out a lot of the time. So I, I could see it just being a precautionary thing and sitting him down for a week or 10 days and and then seeing where he's at again. you know. But if it, if it lingers and two weeks from now they're saying the same thing, then you got to really think about it because we don't we don't have IL spots in NFBC, right? So like you, you you can't sit there with a guy that's hurt for too long. You know, I've learned the hard way on that one many many years. We all have, especially this year. Like we talked about it with many people. It's you look at your your bench and it's like five out of the seven guys or whatever have suitcases by them. And yep. not good. Like we're not going to Maui suitcases. This is this is uh, <laughs> this is different. So um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a really tough deal. So yeah, it's tough. It's very tough. But see, like I, I've held Framer this whole time, and I'm rejoicing. Like it's finally happening. But that's a start to the season to two month thing. Two months to four months thing is a little different now because it's like you know what your problems are, and there's multiple injuries to figure out. So um, we'll wait and see with McCullers. Like, like that's why I just want to to nail that point is don't drop him just yet. Wait and see what you got there, and keep an eye. Like arcidi has been very serviceable. If someone dropped him, snipe him up because he's back next week. And then keep an eye on like the Javier's of the world, not maybe owning Javier just yet, but there's going to be a, a spot for him sooner or later. So yeah, uh, and he, you could see a situation that. too with with Valdez and Urquidy too coming back, where maybe they're not being able to pitch five or six right sure. away either, right? So maybe that's where Javier provides some value, or you know, uh, like you were saying, you might be able to hop in there and and do some things. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Let's go to Atlanta. Marcelo Zuna, not the best start of the season for Marcel, but we've seen that with him. And he kind of started to hit it as the temperature warmed up. He was slowly, slowly getting there, I guess. But he goes and um, they first thought he was hyperextended to fingers. It's like he fractured at least one, if not both. He's going to be out for probably a couple months, it looks like. They say they're saying four to six weeks. I've also seen six to eight weeks. So let's say at least six. And um, it's going to be a while. Looks like Ender and Ciarte is uh, slotted in to take his spot for now, or Guillermo Heredia. A, what are you doing with Ozuna? And B, are you interested in any of the outfield options in Atlanta? <laughs> I've I've been on the Ender and Ciarte train before, and I'm not getting back on. I don't think. Um, no, I don't. None of those guys really interest me. I, you know, um, mostly and in, in my situation, my outfielders have been mostly healthy, knock on wood. And so I haven't had that type of issue with the war of attrition that a lot of people are fa- are facing with that situation. Um, you know, Ozuna is a tough one for me because to be honest, I wasn't a huge. I felt like in the leagues that I play in, his inconsistency is maddening to me. And I, I just wasn't really in on him too much. Uh, that being said, you know, he's a, he's a 30 home run bat when he's healthy. So uh, if you can stash him, I would, I, I, I wouldn't cut him yet, but um, if you can't, you know, it, it's another one of those tough decisions. I mean, who knows if he comes back from that, he might still not be a hundred percent healthy. And again, powers his game. If his hands aren't right, it's a tough sell. Makes it very, very tricky. So a lot of these injuries we're seeing like with Jordan Alvarez, it's his wrist with Void, it's his side, all these things that are so crucial for power. So it's like, if you're if it's gonna take you X amount of time to get back, and then probably to make sure you're healthy enough to actually show power, 
it's just deteriorating situations over and over again. Uh, before we go on real quick, I had a question in the chat here from Simon, a uh, really awesome listener of the show. He said, and it was about the Houston situation. Assuming they are all healthy in Houston, who is your starting five with the Astros? Ooh, that's a good one, huh? Eileen mm-hmm. Granke, McCullers, Valdez, definitely the top three. I just, I'm not an Odorizzi believer. I'm really not. So I'd probably go Garcia, Javier, but I don't know. It's tricky. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I think I might put in Urquidy for Garcia just because Garcia has been good and I own him in a number of different places, but I, I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, oh, wait, I feel did, like... I leave, did I leave Urquidy out? Yeah, I'd have Urquidy. Yeah. Over, I'm with you there. I'd have, yeah. I've had him in for sure. Yeah. I'm a bigger Keaty fan. I think there's a lot to like there with him. Well, you so. should be. I think he's a really good player. Yeah. So um, so let's go back to that. It'll be Granky, McCullers, Framber, Urquidy, and I'm going to say Odorizzi just because they paid him, even though I don't think he should <laughs> be in the rotation. <laughs> like He'll be there. But uh, we'll wait and see. He he every every time you think he's done, he finds a way to like go on a four or five start stretch where he's he's like Kyle Gibson, good enough type thing. And it was so funny because here in Chicago, when uh, when the Sox brought back Rodon, they were like, "Wait, Odorizzi is out there," and I was like, eh, "I think Rodon's probably better than Odorizzi." And I just said that in passing, and it looks like I'm right about that right now. But mm-hmm. so <laughs> we'll far, see so what happens there. the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. What are you hearing out of Chicago with, um, you know, Michael Kopach's that he left with that hamstring injury? Are they, have there been any new reports? Cause all I've seen is just like precautionary for now. So he, uh, he, he slipped on the mound and they said hamstring. He limped off, um, under his, mostly under his own power. And then today they put him on the bereavement list. So hmm. I don't know, um, if, if, uh, there's something going on there with that or if they're just trying to buy him a couple of days and not IL him. Um, he's been phenomenal. I mean, yeah. uh, you you can't say anything bad about the White Sox starting pitching so far. I mean, they've been phenomenal. They can't score any runs, of course, and nobody knows what the bullpen rules are besides Hendricks. Um, but I, I'm not going to go into a, a, a diatribe on Tony Larusa here because no. uh, I'll kill I've, him. Yeah, I've done I've done it on too many shows already. I I think he's yeah. I, that's I don't need we we don't need to do that. Let's have fun on this podcast. No, he is. <laughs> He is, oh man, something special. I have to go take my blood pressure pill if we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> you and I both. It's like it's it's not pretty what they're doing there, and and they're still in first place, which is amazing. So, yeah. I, I, the only thing I will say, and I've said it on many shows, not this one, but other ones, I would love just twenty four seven cameras in the locker room and hallways and stuff because one of these moments, one of the players will snap on him. They might not physically like hit him, but there will be some f bombs thrown his direction because they'll like between Lynn and Geo and Anderson. There's enough of those guys that are over it with him. And yeah. he'll 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 do one more dumb thing one of these moments, and it'll just go. His so, his, his post it. his post game conferences are like enough to put you to sleep. I, it's and the thing that's remarkable to me about it is just that this was a guy who was known for his meticulous preparation before games, right? Known for it. that was the hallmark of Tony Larusa, right? And he just acts like he just doesn't care. He just yeah. he, he just doesn't seem like he's involved at all. I don't know. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like he needed money to pay off like a debt or something, so he's he's managing for a year. It's it's a weird, weird situation. Uh, a couple more little tidbits of news here. Marco Gonzalez will be returning to the Mariners on uh, the first, but uh, Mike mentioned a good thing before the show. He's going to be throwing three to four innings, it looks like, to start out. So, Mike, what's your interest in uh, Gonzalez? I, I really only had interest in him as a fifth or a sixth starter for me in most leagues anyway, and right now that interest is pretty low considering that He's not going to be able to go full bore 
Um, you know, he is what he is, right? I mean, he's not he's not going to get you a lot of strikeouts, but he might be able to help you control your ratios a little bit. Uh, and so if you want to use him in that regard, I think have at it. Um, I don't have him anywhere. It's not that I don't like him. It's just I just haven't had him in too many places this year. Um, I, I would sit back and wait and see what develops with that um, before I, I use him at all, I think. Yeah, no, it's he needs to go farther than three or four. He's just not going to do the trick for me at this point in time. Um, a couple pieces of news just for the listeners to to pay attention to. Trey Mancini left Thursday night after getting hit in the elbow by a pitch, so keep an eye on that situation. Cody Bellinger should be returning this weekend for the Dodgers, so that should be good for your for your Monday lineup lock situation there. Um, Byron Bucks and another setback, uh-uh. so you got that going for you. There's so much more news. Like you could literally do a full podcast almost daily on all the news going on out there, but that's for the big boys that do five shows a week. So let's talk about some bullpen stuff. You do bullpen work over there at um, Roto Fanatic and very knowledgeable about the bullpen situations. And it seems like they've kind of calmed down a little bit. There's still a lot going on, but like those first few weeks, Mike, like your head must've just been full, like exorcist spinning. It seemed like, I mean, it was really bad. I, you know, my routine essentially is that I work on it during the week, a little bit at a time, and then uh, really kind of put the finishing touches on Saturday and then go and edit on Sunday morning. And I'd get up on Sunday morning and there were five or six different situations that I had didn't see coming the night before where I had gone to sleep and woke up and, all of a sudden, you know, Josh Bores has a save and you're like, what is going on? Right. Uh, you got to go back and figure it out. But it is really remarkable um, to see even from last year where we had the short season. It was a sprint just to see how people are handling bullpens this year has been a really phenomenal ride to be on for sure. Yeah, it, it's been crazy. So uh, we'll hit on some of these kind of more recent kind of changes. There's still still some of the same old head scratchers we have out there but let's start in boston where matt barnes has been absolutely phenomenal this year and it could have just been he needed a day off or something but we've seen um garrett wicklock be quite productive at times out of the bullpen usually more in long innings but he's got closer like stuff there's been whispers of him being a potential closer at some point in time the other night he got a two-out save and it was Mm -hmm. a three-to-one game it wasn't like it was one of those blowouts and he just happened to be in for the saves it was a legit two-out three-to-one i think ball game type save um, is there any interest in a guy like Woodlock or is this kind of just a purely he got the job that night type thing? No, I have a lot of interest in him. And and it's it's not necessarily because of his uh, path to saves, although I think that that is there should something happen to Barnes. Um, I had been talking about – I've been bad-mouthing Barnes for a while, and so I owe him an apology. Um, <laughs> he's actually been really good this year, as you pointed out. I, Whitlock, I think, has value in a, a lot of daily leagues, I think. Um, if you're in the ESPN and Yahoo, where you can manipulate your uh, bench a little bit more during the course of the week. Um, in ESPN, I know that Whitlock had uh, SP and RP, both delineations. And so a lot of people were using him um, as a relief pitcher in an SP role to try to grab some strikeouts and get a few more points during the course of the week. And I did that for a couple of weeks. And then I, I thought better of it. I got TJ Antone and said, um, which I think has, a, he's got a little bit more path to value uh, than Whitlock does. However, Whitlock does have 25 strikeouts in 24 and a third innings. And so I think if something were to happen to Barnes, he could step into that position relatively easily. Uh, and I think he does have a, a path to value there, depending on what your team looks like. Um, if you're thinking about him as a closer, though, I don't think that that's going to happen unless something happens to Barnes or Boston falls out of it and they decide to trade him or something of that nature, uh, neither of which looks like they're going. it's going to happen at this point. So 
Yeah, that was kind of my my first thing. I picked up Whitlock in a couple deeper leagues probably three weeks ago when I needed just some like some live bodies in the bullpen and, and just trying to think maybe Barnes or whatever situation happens. I've since dropped Whitlock because I needed other roster spots to fill. So it's like same here. It, it's, it's tough. Like the dude's good. Like we just talked about, he's very good, and nothing would shock me if something happened to Barnes. Like Whitlock walks in there, and then I'm sitting there paying 150 bucks trying to get him back type thing when I got him for a dollar before. Sure. But um, that's that's fancy baseballs for you. It sure um, is. But it's just Barnes has been very good, and part of the other reason, like I I grabbed Whitlock, and you said it, but it's probably not going to happen now. When the season started, we thought the Red Sox were going to be garbage. Barnes would be getting traded. All these things. Right. Well, lo and behold, we're almost through two months of the season now, and the Red Sox are at the top of the AL East. Are sitting like they're just right there, and it doesn't look like they're slowing down anytime soon, unless something crazy happens. So. Barnes is going to be locked in for a while, it looks like, and that's going to be pretty good for him. But Whitlock, it's interesting. Depends on your format, obviously, but he's going to have value. I like the comment you made with Anton, though, because, you know, you look for some of these guys, and I've talked about it on shows with Toby and stuff, is some of these really good relievers, I got no problem grabbing to help you with ratios and strikeouts and all this kind of stuff. But Whitlock, it's like a, it's not a consistent workload, it feels like, where Anton, when he comes in, it's like two to three innings of just like dynamite. That's what you're getting. So it's a different type of feel, and, and it'll help your roster out more, Like especially in a weekly format, like you said, a daily, whatever. Cool. Weekly, it's a little, a little trickier. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Um, let's head to Cleveland real quick. This is a fun one because uh, the year started out, and everyone was anti-Karinchek, and everyone was like, hey, it's going to be Whitgren or this guy or that guy. And then Klasse comes back, and Klasse takes it over. Well, now Karinchek's getting the saves again. What in the heck is going on here, Mike? So this is a really interesting situation for me, I feel, because at the beginning of the year, a lot of the guys, the guys at Roto Fanatic, when we were doing our rankings, a lot of those guys had Karinchek ranked as a, a number five, number six closer. And I said, well, wait a minute, you know, what if he's not the closer? What if he, do, what if he ends up being the stopper? What if he ends up being the guy that Francona likes to use in the middle of the innings to put out the fire? The, Terry Francona is one of the best managers in the game in my opinion, one of the best managers maybe ever. And so he really knows what he's doing, and he knows a lot more about bullpen management and and teamsmanship and stuff like that than what I do. And so I thought, you know, the reason that I thought about Class A so much, Bubba, was this. They traded, you know, Corey Kluber for him. And so they they clearly thought very highly of him, okay? But here's what's really happened. So Karinchek has six saves. Class A, I think at last count, had eight saves. But Karinchek is killing lefties. Lefties are two for 50 against him this year. Wow. And four, 14 and two-thirds innings, he has 27 strikeouts against lefties. So 50 at-bats, 27 strikeouts. So if if when Francona is looking at the lineup and seeing what's coming up in the eighth and ninth inning, because he's thinking three steps ahead of everybody else, and he sees that he's got a lefty switch hitter lefty, he's saving Karinchek for the ninth. If it's, wow. a stand, if it's a standard save situation, Class A is getting the job. And let's face facts, Class A has not done anything to lose the job. I mean, he, he's, got, he's got some issues with walks, right? I mean, but he's got a .83 ERA, 21 strikeouts and 21 and two thirds innings. I mean, he does have 11 walks, but he's still there. I, I think it's going to be a committee situation, you know, and I, and I think what's happened is that because Whitgren and Brian Shaw has been completely rejuvenated, come out of nowhere to be good again. Maybe, maybe Francona's looking at it and saying, huh, I don't have to use Karinchek in the sixth or the seventh because I've got other arms that I can use here. 
And Cleveland just continues to find pitchers all the time. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. But I think it's going to be a split situation depending on what's happening. Both guys have value in that situation. That's very interesting because I didn't know what, what kind of splits were on there. You'd think Klasse would have the lefty situation. Krenchek wouldn't. <clears throat> but that's that's the beauty of some of these pitchers with the pitches they use, the pitch mix. It definitely dominates different sides of the plate. So that's interesting. Like you, And then another part is, you know, with Shaw and company can go earlier, so Krenchek might not have to get the lefties then. He can save them for the ninth. And I agree with Francona take. He is one of the best managers I've ever seen. The guy's yes. great. And I have nothing but good things from people that I know that have played for him. So it's 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 impressive, but um, yeah, that's interesting because I was wondering, just watching the headlines, like Krenchik's got like three saves in the last like five games. Where the heck did this come from? When it seemed like he was just this guy, like the seventh or eighth inning dude, and Klasse is throwing bullets out there. But there you go. This is why Mike is on the show, everybody. It's why this bullpen <laughs> report. I did not even pay attention to that part of it. That is very very interesting there. Um, let's go to Kansas City. It was a few weeks ago. Everyone went and picked up Josh Stalmont, and he was out. Like, got got him a save on the first day. Yeah, got two or three saves that week. Everyone's like, "Yes, best hundred and eighty bucks I ever spent." It was beautiful. <laughs> we get close closing situations all year, and now it's like it's quieted down a bit again. Like you still have Scott Barlow there. I don't think Greg Holland's involved anymore, but you never know. So, what are you doing with the Kansas City situation? Is it still Stalmont? Are you worried it's more of a committee now? <sighs> Well, you know, I think the biggest problem is Mike Matheny. Um, Fair enough. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how much we want to go into that, but I mean, um, his bullpen management over the course of time has left a lot to be desired for many, many people. Um, you know, the, the problem in Kansas City, I think, is that, you know, they've got six guys that have saves there. And I, I feel like what's happened is that I, I do think it's Stamont still. I think it's his job. Uh, I don't think Holland is part of that situation anymore. Uh, I think Zimmer is a guy that they're, they've thought highly of and that they're trying to bring along and, and see what he, ha- what he's got. But, you know, Matheny didn't, hasn't used Stomont or, or Holland since like last Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so something's up there. I don't know if they're a little bit banged up or, or what's going on, but Zimmer did get a couple of opportunities. And uh, the last one was a little bit scary, a bit of a tightrope walk, but he did get it done. And so, um, you know, Kansas City is another one that's interesting too, right? Because they were they started off really well and then they completely bottomed out. And now they've got, you know, Mondesi's back healthy and they're, you know, I think Dozier's about to come back healthy if he's not already. Um, you know, they're, they're looking like they might be able to compete in a very weak AL Central. However, if they don't, wouldn't it make sense that they'd be looking at a number of different guys in that role that they could potentially use? And would be a no-brainer to trade. Uh, Stomont could be a no-brainer to trade too, especially if they feel that Zimmer can take that role. Now, Zimmer's a guy that's got a high pedigree. He was a, a first-round pick about three four years ago. They'd really like to see him get a job doing something in Kansas City, I would imagine. Um, and so it, it, there's a lot of different possibilities there. I do think it's still Stomont's job until we hear otherwise. But, you know, Mike Matheny is always noncommittal about – I don't ever remember him ever committing to a closer in all the years that he's been a manager. So – Take it for take it for what it is. Yeah, I think Stallman's the guy with the stuff. It's uh, well, like the next team we talk about too. I, going into the season, I was trying to grab Stallman like every DC and best ball I could find because I thought he was the guy. And then they started now with Holland there. And then I was thinking, okay, they're going to use Holland for a bit so they can trade him. Makes sense. Okay, showcase him. Then that ended very quickly. So mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows what's going on? But uh, yeah, it's in the end, it's the Royals, and just how many games will they have save chances for is the question. Good, um, good question. Very fair. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays now. Uh, it, this has been a revolving door of fun. You have Rafael <laughs> Dolis, and he got hurt. He's come back and been a little rough here at times. 
You got Tyler Chatwood who looks good, but then he gets a chance that he gets hit around. Jordan yeah. Romano's look good, picked up the save on Tuesday, and that's the guy I thought going into the season. But in reality, it's kind of a three-headed monster right now. Um, I, I'm still going Romano, but it's every day it seems like it's a new guy getting a chance, Mike. It's so it's so difficult, right? I mean, you know, earlier in the year uh, when we first started the season, I was really touting Romano as well. I thought it was his job. And then Merriweather got the first two save opportunities and people were spending, you know, a quarter of their fab on Merriweather the first weekend and he hasn't done anything since. Um, I, I, I don't want to invest too highly in this bullpen just because of the fact that Merriweather and Romano both have injury issues in their past and Delise was there because he was healthy and was able to kind of take that role. Uh, as you said, Chatwood's also been really interesting too. He's got 24 strikeouts in 19 innings. He's only given up one barrel all year, which is very uh, unlike Tyler Chatwood. If you saw very him pitch, so. pitch with the Cubs, um, which I did quite a bit, but um, you know, Chatwood's been really impressive and a revelation in that bullpen. I, I do think Romano is the best arm there, but they sometimes use him in the seventh innings to stopper. Sometimes they use him in the ninth inning, depending on the situation. Um, he's got three vulture wins and a two one six ERA. Dolis, you know, I mean, he's in the been the right guy at the right time a few times for them, but. And he limits hard contact, which you like, but he's got like a 17% walk ratio. I, and I just can't live with that. And so, uh, I, you know, to me, it's either Romano or don't touch it um, at this point. I'm with you. And like, I, it was tough to do, but we've talked about the injury situation. I think you'd make some ads and drops that you're not comfortable with. I've dropped the lease in a couple of leagues over the last few weeks. It's just been yeah. a headache I didn't want to deal with. Um like I liked him when Romano was out, but now it's just, you know, I, I'm a Romano believer and there's the revolving door. So very much a headache to say the least. Uh, For the sure. Seattle, the Seattle Mariners, you have um, Kendall Grayman on the IL. I still, did they ever actually say what he's on the IL with? I never even really saw what the heck it was, but um, they have a very long injury list here. No, he's still not on their main IL. He's just sitting down there somewhere. There he is. Yeah. Undisclosed still to this moment. So we don't know what Kendall Graveman has, assuming it's COVID. COVID, probably. Only, yeah. yeah. It's the only thing I can assume it is. They have not said a word. The weird thing is, though, they didn't say it was a COVID IL. So yeah. No, they usually, didn't. That's right. Usually you get that at least. And you just kind of guess, is it the vaccine? Is this, that, whatever. We don't sure. know. So he's just undisclosed IL. So he's out. And he was doing very, very good. Uh, but now you got Kenyon Middleton, the like, rejuvenation from the old Anaheim Angel Kenyon yeah. Middleton. Yeah. Um, Rafael Montero's getting a second chance on life and it looked like he never should touch a second chance again. What are you doing? Because right now we really don't know when Graveman's coming back. It could be tomorrow. It could be two weeks from now. So there's going to be save chances. Well, for sure. You know, and here's the thing you gotta, I gotta shout out Rob D Pietro because, uh, he was a Graveman truther in the winter time when we did a podcast, it was like four hours long in the middle of winter. And he kept talking about this guy. I was like, are you drunk? Like, what are you talking about? You know, he was right. He's right. Gra- uh, Graveman's been really good. And and actually going back to last year's All-Star break, uh, well, not All-Star break, but what, what would have been the All-Star break um, second half of the season, he's been very good. Um, I, I can't do the Montero thing. I, I tried that for a while last year. I just am not going to do that again. Um, Middleton is an interesting guy, right? I mean, this was a, this was a guy in L.A. who had high pedigree. Uh, this is a guy that they had thought of as a closer for a long time. Um, and then he's had a really checkered injury history. And then when they got him back, they didn't seem to know what to do with him two and three years ago. Now he's a free agent. He goes to Seattle and all of a sudden he's got new life. Um, I think he's the stopgap guy there over Montero for me. And, um, he's actually been, he's actually been pretty good. He's got a, 
lives, he seems to be holding the zone. I mean, um, I'm not really sure what his strikeout numbers have been. I, I don't know that they've been great, but um, he's getting the job done. And so if you're desperate for saves, aren't we all, you know, maybe a low bid on him right now might, if he's on your waiver wire, might get you a couple of saves while we're waiting to find out what's going on with Graveman. Yeah, the Middleton, he's he's pretty much doing what he always does. You know, 21.6% K rate, not bad. Walking almost 14%. So it's just, uh. just the Kenyon Middleton story we like. But I'm with you. If I have to pick one, it's Middleton because the pedigree's there. I remember I remember rostering him when he was an angel, hoping oh, he'd, yeah. he'd be the next big thing because he showed life there, and then he got hurt, and it kind of disappeared. But I, I just just tell us what's going on with Graveman. So I just have a timetable. It's all I want. But right. We live in this era where – Everyone wants to be Joe Girardi now and not report the real truth. So yeah, right. A, it's a competitive oh advantage. <laughs> yeah, it's a competitive advantage, I guess. Something like oh, that. God. Um, all right. Cincinnati Reds. This one this started preseason and it's still going on. TJ Anton has entered the chat. Yes, but I still think he's more of a more of a fireman type, like mm-hmm. hater type. Maybe we'll see. Doolittle's there. I personally am not a doolittle closer guy. Maybe you could prove me wrong. I've always loved Lucas Sims. He picked up another save on Tuesday, so he's got a couple saves this week now. Yeah. Amir Garrett's had a few chances, but he's kind of scuffled at times. What are you doing with the Cincinnati bullpen? So, <laughs> so long story short, in the in the preseason when I was getting ready to do drafts, I had this idea in my mind. I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get a, a, a top tier, like a, a Hendricks type of closer or a Hater type of closer, and then I'm going to wait. And then I'm going to double tap on, like, Rogers and Colome in Minnesota, or Sims and Garrett in, in uh, Cincinnati, and I'll let you guess how well that's worked out for me. Um, I understand that figure. it's been terrible, right? So, but I will tell you this: of all those guys, I've kept Sims mm-hmm. because I think at the end of the day, it's going to be his job. This guy is too good to be this bad, right? The, if you look at his, st- I know people talk about Statcast data all the time, but his is blood red. This is a guy who's in the 100th percentile for curveball spin, 97th percentile for fastball spin, right? And if you, if you take a deeper dive into him, which I have to do as part of my job, right? You know, mm-hmm. Antone is a very a very valuable guy as a multi-inning weapon, as you said. Amir Garrett is an, is an enigma with an anger problem, right? I mean, I just don't think he's ever going to get it, right? Any, any man that wants to take on another team's dugout by himself. He's just there's going just on. Some, yeah, he, he probably needs to be medicated, right? So, yeah. okay, so you, as you said, Sims got the one-out save earlier in the week, and I think the time is coming. So Sims' ERA is 6.35 right now, which is ghastly. I think Jack Carter's ERA is less than that right now. But, but <laughs> hey, his he looks ex- good on the mound from what I've seen, though. So. I'll tell you what, he's been throwing strikes. I'll, think, I'll give him that. So his walk percentage is not 17. I can guarantee you that. Uh, but Sims' ex-ERA is 3.11. And and it, it, once he gets the walk percentage under control, he's that's almost fifteen percent. Um, he limits hard contact. I mean, I just really think that this is going to be the guy. And then if you do the same thing and do the same exercise and look at Garrett, right? Okay, Garrett, he throws hard. Blah blah blah. Seven point two three ERA, X ERA is six point four three. What does that tell you? It, you know, he he's pitching like crap, right? So fifteen strikeouts are nice, two saves are nice, but he got a chance on Tuesday, he gives up a home run. You know. Um, I just I just think it's been an ugly year for him, and I'm holding on to Sims, hoping that he's going to be the one who takes the job. So they got another guy, he's an Atlanta guy, first round pick. Everything is there for him to be able to do it. He's got to stop. He's got to stop walking, guys. That's really hurting him. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I've, I I like the stuff Garrett has. It just seems there's a lot going on between the years right now that needs to get fixed before he's gonna 
be able to lock into a closer. It takes a special breed to be a closer. Like that's it really for sure. Does. Um, and he might like, be, he might be able to get there with a mood stabilizer. And now I sound <laughs> like I'm doing. Now I sound like I'm at work. That's what I do yeah. all day, right? But uh, yep. you need to get some CBD gummies or something. And say, <laughs> go out there, kid. It's legal almost everywhere now. So just go out there and have some fun. He's not. It's not. Trust me. It's not performance enhancing. That's no, it is not. No. So <laughs> go go get him some of those and enjoy because he, he seems like a great guy. He's just. It's like he's got that adrenaline pump, and he's out there, and just it's hard. He's like the Yasiel Puig of pitching. It feels like. Yeah, that's that's a really good comp for him. I like think. great players seem like really good people. It's just when they get between the lines, it's like something's upstairs just not firing right at the same time, which stinks. But I'm with you on Lucas Sims. I was all aboard Lucas Sims. I've also not dropped him in many leagues. I have him, even though every Saturday or Sunday when I'm doing fab. He's like on my list of man, should I really do it this week? Should I? Yeah. And he doesn't. He doesn't. It doesn't happen. But I've been very close a few times just because I need the space. But I'm hoping he gets it. And this week's made me feel better. Sadly, he's on the bench in most of my leagues this week. Right. So that's fun right. as he's finally getting saves. But that's the world we live in this year. A um, couple more teams to talk about here, real quick. Uh, Colorado. This one's intriguing to me because Daniel Bard has had the job. I wasn't buying into it going into the year. Like awesome story, all that good stuff. But Carlos Estevez has come back. He's picked up a couple saves since he's come back. Is there anything worth buying into with Carlos Estevez, or is this the Colorado thing? Well, you know, I he, there's some interest there for me. I mean, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on Bard. I mean, great story, uh, but he's 35, and this could go south at any time, and it looks like it really is. I mean, a 5 ERA, 183 whip, five saves. Nice strikeouts, but he just doesn't get a lot of opportunity. And I think that's the issue that I have mostly with Colorado is – whoever ends up becoming the closer is not going to have a heck of a lot of opportunity because they're not going to win a heck of a lot of games. It doesn't look like Um, they tried to use Estevez a couple of times last year in that role with some mixed results. And uh, in typical Colorado fashion, they seem lukewarm on trying to solve any type of problems long-term. But Estevez, to your point, he's got a 2.92 ERA, 1.14 whip and two saves, 13 strikeouts and 12 and two thirds innings. He's a big guy. Um, I, I, they have nothing to lose by allowing him to be able to try to take the job from Daniel Bard. And, you know, and, and, and unless the whole thing again is let's see if Bard can shave a run or two off of that ERA and they can move him at the deadline and try to get something for him. But who's going to want that? I mean, I just can't see, even if he gets traded, he's not going to be a closer anywhere. He's going to be a setup guy, but he doesn't even look like he's got that in him anymore. But Estevez would be an interesting guy. You know, they've got Michael Givens too, but, and they don't seem to be too keen on using him either. Speaking of Givens, Carmarcano asks, "Hey Doc, any chance my Given shares in Colorado are worth more than a bucket of old baseballs?" I'd, I'd keep the baseballs. <laughs> yeah, I like the Estevez thing though. It's like you said last year, we saw them try it. The pedigree's there. At least he's like Bard's a good story. He just doesn't look over. Like I feel there's certain days I watch him pitch and. I could probably have a chance to put the ball in play at times. He's not overwhelming by any means. No, so, not anymore. Yeah, so I, I I think honestly, and I usually avoid all Colorado pitchers like the plague, I might throw a couple shekels on Estevez this week and see if he falls my way just because I think he's going to have some more chances as stuff comes on compared to some other situations we talked about. He feels like there's a shift in play here in Colorado. Um, a couple teams I didn't have on the outline, but we'll just fire them off real quick. Uh, Simon asked a question. Thoughts on Tapera in Chicago? I know Kimbrel's the guy. He's got 11 yeah. saves, but Kimbrel could get traded, and I think Tapera got a save on Tuesday. So uh, something to think about there. Yeah, no, I, I you know, Tapera, he, he also got an MVP vote last year, if you recall, yes, remember? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Simon, you're on to, you're on to it right there, bud. Um, no, I, I think, you know, if you're in a league um, 
that has holds, Tapera definitely has value for you there. Um, you know, Chafin is there is the leader for holds and the Cubs right now. Um, I don't know how well owned he is, but uh, Tapera would definitely be a guy that if something happened to Kimbrel might get an opportunity there. They do. They also have Rex Brothers, which always kind of gives me pause too because he has some experience with closing, although not well. Uh, he's got some experience having done a, the job before, but yeah, I, I like Tapera as a guy, especially if you, if you're in a league that has uh, that has holds as a category. And and Kimbrel's been actually very good. I mean, if the Cubs fall, the, people in Chicago are all drinking the Kool Aid and think that the Cubs are going back to the World Series. And I got news for you, they're not. So um, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they moved Kimbrel um, for something at the deadline. And Cubs fans were wringing their hands like crazy people over here. How fun would it be if the Yankees go, hey Cubs? Send me Chris Bryant and Kyle Hendricks because I need a starting pitcher, and I'll put Bryant at first base for the rest of the year, and um, they'll give them whatever they want. Basically, we've seen them do trades before with Chapman and Torres and stuff. Oh yeah, like just, yeah. That's one of those ones where like when you think about it, they want if they need to fill two things, and the Cubs have assets to deliver. They do. They absolutely so, do. Yeah. Just thinking about that out loud could be very interesting. And that Cubs ownership does not care right now. No, so. they do not. They do not. <laughs> they can blow it up at a moment's notice. Um, you mentioned Ryan Presley for Houston having the neck issue. Apparently, he's got the same pillows I use. I don't know. But um, if you had to say it's worse than a one- or two-day thing, it really only should be a one- or two-day thing, hopefully. Say it is more than a one- or two-day thing. Do you go with Abreu or do you go with Stanek? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I, I, personally, I think uh, Abreu's probably got more talent, you know, than than Stanek. Although Stanek does have some experience having done the job, right? So, um, I would I would probably lean Abreu. I, I think he would be the guy that would get the uh, the chances uh, if something were to happen to Presley longer term. All right. Uh, the Yankees, just for those wondering, Chapman has apparently missed the last two appearances because of an illness. He should be back Friday, Saturday at the latest, they're saying. Chad Green got the saves there, so let's keep that in mind. I wouldn't panic just yet, but maybe Sunday. Put a dollar on Chad Green, see what happens. Um, Minnesota, last one here. You made the comment about the Minnesota situation before, and it's just gotten more and more fun as the season's gone on. You have Taylor Rogers, You have Hansel Robles now. You have yeah. Colome. It feels like Robles is the guy, um, but Baldelli likes to use roles a lot and nothing's the same. If you had to have one guy on your roster, like, we, like you have Sims for Cincinnati, who's your guy from Minnesota? It's still Rogers for me. Okay. I it's a tough it's a tough call for me. I mean, I I, I do like Taylor Rogers probably more than a lot of other people in our industry do, uh, simply because I think he really has the ability to be able to do the job. Um, Colome only throws one pitch and I don't see that really kind of changing or, or coming back for him. Robles has done a really admirable job filling in there, but I don't know that he's a long-term answer either. And Tyler Duffy got a save, uh, in the last seven days as well. It's just so hard to say what's going to happen there. I mean, I, I, I always feel like Minnesota is always yanking Rogers around and they should just let, give him a chance to do the job. I, I really think that he would do well with it if they would just leave him alone. Um, but that's Rocco Baldelli, and that's not going to happen. So, yeah, it's a messy situation there. Uh, let's have some fun with this. Let's do some listener questions here because we got a lot of intriguing ones. So uh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> not all baseball related, but um, I'm fine with that. Totally fine with that. Um, we'll kick it off with our buddy Yancey Eaton. What's the good doctor's summer plans? Is he going to have a hot mic summer? <laughs> well. 
I'm I'm off this week, and then I go back to the office next week. Start summer school uh, the second week of June, and I teach uh, history of rock and roll class in the summertime for my students, which is a really fun time for me. So I'll do that through the end of middle of July, and then hopefully take the week off uh, end of July with the family and go up to Michigan for a week or ten days, and then we start it all up again the first week of August. It never ends, man. Never ends. Um, Todd Whitestone at Telestar Seven asks, and this goes with your summer school teaching plan. Hey Mike, didn't did you didn't you start in that sc- school of rock movie? Just checking. <laughs> yeah, I you know it's funny. I, I I'm built sort of like Jack Jack Black, right? Like kind of short and stout, kind of. Well, I guess I'm fat now after COVID. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's a great movie. Uh, unfortunately, one of the guys that was in that movie was just killed in a bike accident here. Oh, really? In Chicago last night? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, did Strange. not know that. Strange note. <laughs> yeah, strange note, but that's it's a great movie. Great movie. Sure that, is. Uh, well, um, Michael Simeon talked about him earlier. And this this question got a lot of feedback in some weird ways, like some very strong opinions from people. So I can't wait to discuss this one. Ketchup or mustard on a hot dog? It's mustard. Um, and and if you're a true Chicagoan, you do not put ketchup on a hot dog. This is a well-known fact. Now, I told Michael that I was going to answer this question in more depth because he asked it on Twitter, and I'm such a noob, I didn't realize that it was supposed to be for the show. But Chicago-style hot dogs are the way to go. And if you're going to do a Chicago-style hot dog, it's got to be yellow mustard. It's got to be sweet, the sweet pickle relish. It's got to be onion. Tomato wedges, not tomato pieces. Wedges. And pickle spear, if you like pickles, which I don't really care for. I give them to my son. Sport peppers. Ooh, yeah. And, celer- and celery salt. That's celery the key. Salt. Celery salt is the key. So now Simeon knows, Simeon knows. But put that in your smoker, Michael. Yes. I, I'm I'm loving what he's doing there with the smoker, by the way. We we message a lot about that because I am That's a fantastic. fan of, uh, of barbecuing and smoking meats as well. So it's uh, good stuff there. He's just branching out, I tell you. But um, this is where we're going to have a fun discussion because I saw all the controversy on the Twitter. And Simeon's a ketchup guy. He's a ketchup and mustard guy, I believe, he said. Was he five? He's like, a five, he's like a five-year-old kid. Well, if you think he's a five-year-old, I'm a ketchup-only guy. So... Yeah, this is where it's going to get fun. That's why I said, like, I, I was watching the back and forth. Going, I'm just going to save this for the podcast. <laughs> um, I've I, I've learned as I've grown up to like mustard. I hated it as a kid. Hated it. Couldn't eat it. And um, I was, I've learned to like a lot more things as I grew up. Probably for the detriment of me because I just get bigger that way. But um, <laughs> I've learned to appreciate mustard. The thing with me, like a hot dog, I just like ketchup. If you give me like a bratwurst or out where we're at, we have like these Swiss sausages and stuff. You can put mustard on that all day long. I'm good. But I'm a ketchup lover. Like the way people like ranch dressing, I like ketchup. Like I gotcha. won't put it on pe- I won't put it on pizza and stuff. Sure. I get it. Like I'm not that kind of freak, but uh, I'm a big time ketchup guy. And I get it a lot from people. When I put it on a hot dog, they're like, What are you doing? And it's just <laughs> it's it's what I do. It's how I've always done it. And um I, I'm not as hardcore as I used to be. Let's put it that way. Like I will, like I said, I will put mustard on certain ones. But you give me like a regular, like a ballpark kind of measly little hot dog type deal. Mm-hmm. It's getting ketchup, and that's what we're getting. Now, if you want to go chili cheese dog, now we're talking business. So, yeah. <laughs> like, we can have some fun with that. But I did, I did not get fed on accident. I can. Yeah. I always say that to people. You come to Chicago, I'll take you to the guaranteed rate field. Okay. We'll we'll avoid all the gangs and people that want to beat us up. No, I'm kidding. 
and I will get you. You can get one hot dog and you put ketchup on it, and then you do the other hot dog my way. Deal? I'll buy. Sounds sounds like a plan. We will do okay. that. The only the only thing I'll say is I do not eat onions. So if I can do everything without the onions, I'm in. Oh, gotcha. Okay. All right. We'll we'll make it work. We'll make it. I'll work. do everything else. Trust me. I got. I'm slowly eating more and more things, but that's one of those. Even, I, even grilled onions. No, if they're grilled, I'm in. I can't. The crunchy, okay. I can't do. I can't okay. do crunchy. No, so that's what we're gonna do. So we're gonna okay. do one your way, and then we'll we'll maybe we'll podcast it from the stadium. Oh, we'll, I'm all game. I'm game. Let's do we'll, it. We'll get one, and then you get one of the ballpark ones at G rate with mustard and grilled onions. It's like heaven. I'm in. Let's do it. Like that's it's so funny you mentioned that the podcasting part because you know just laughing out loud, dumb visions of my future podcast. It'll probably be like thirty thousand episodes from now. So who knows if I'm even doing it? But once I retire, the um the idea is like get an RV for a while and just go tour baseball stadiums. Cause I can't do it with my job right now. And I wanted to do like a food diary, like all the ballpark foods. And I think it'd be so much fun because like you said, I didn't get this size by just like staring at food. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, I'm intimately engaged, man. Yes. I'm in. I, yeah. I, 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 I try things. I eat things. I enjoy things. So it's like, um, it's like Tyrion Lannister. I drink and I know things. I eat and I know things. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, to doing that someday. We'll we'll see if there's a podcast that long in my life, but uh, it's uh, it's definitely fun. That would be awesome. All right, uh, David Mendelson, one of the great guys from Triple Play Fantasy. Lots of awesome stuff. Like if you guys aren't following them, they're they got their YouTube channel. They were tweeting stuff out. Go check out all their goodies there. But um, this is good. See, these guys bring questions that are not just fantasy. Talk to your past self or future self. Oh God. Can I choose neither? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, um, probably I would say when I was younger, probably my past self more. And now as I've gotten older, you know, I'm in my middle forties now, right? So mm-hmm. as I get closer to that that mythical, you know, fifth well, there's nothing mythical about fifty, but that fifty age where now my 40s. kids are a little bit older and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, I, I start thinking about the future more, like, hey, you know, would be really cool to like retire to Michigan and live up there mm-hmm. for part of the year and then go down to Florida and like, get season tickets and go to the Rays games and yep. harass harass the in person. You know One what I mean? Like people there would be great. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I guess probably now I talk more to my future self than my past self. Interesting question, David. No, it's a very deep question. Cause I'm kind of with you when you're young, you kind of think, Oh, I wish I would have told myself this like five years ago or something. But then as you get older, I'm in my late thirties and I'm with you. I like, I've already told the wife, you know, when we retire, I want to move to like Scottsdale area cause I can golf. We've got all the sports there, spring trainings there, yeah, whatever I want. It's all yep. right there. Like I love the Midwest. Like, re- like I have great friends in Wisconsin. I say I can live there like eight months a year. Yeah. Once the snow comes, I just I can't. I can visit snow. I can't live in snow. Yeah, I can't do winter. I can't do many more winters here, man. I just can't. I just can't do it. Yeah, it's that's brutal. my biggest. It's brutal. Biggest thing. Like I love it there. It's beautiful in the Midwest. So much great stuff out there. But once that's, I, I said, I finally realized, as with my age, I understand the snow. Like the snow, um, not bunnies. The um. I just totally blanked. The people that always come to Arizona for the winter and then go back. Snowbirds. The snowbirds. Yeah. Snowbirds yep. now. Totally yep. get it. I always thought they were annoying as hell. I get it now. So no. um, yeah. yeah. My mother in law doesn't even own a shovel anymore. She's in Florida <laughs> from like the first week of January till like the second week of April. And she comes back and she's happy and really yeah. excited. And I'm like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. 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 It must be nice. Um, a couple more questions here, baseball related questions. Uh, Whole Camels at daily underscore Phil says, Wander Franco. Or Jazz Chisholm for the next three years. 
That was a good one. I, I, I thought hard about this one. My knee jerk is to go with Jazz. Yep. Because, I, I, well, first of all, I saw him play in Kane County, like 10, Kane County's uh, single A team uh, for the Diamondbacks, and saw him play. And his talent, he, he didn't hit when he was here, but you could just see that it was going to happen. You know, just mm-hmm. the ability, his hands were just surreal. I like him better than Wander at this point. The speed, yeah. the speed, I think, is the seal the seals the deal for me. This question was very tough for me because on paper, you look at all the pedigrees, it like screams. Well, it doesn't scream because they're both very good, but it kind of makes me want to lean Wander Franco. But the thing is, is we've seen Jazz Chisholm in the bigs. We have not seen Wander Franco. So if we take it now, does this year count as year one? Because we might not see him until September. Right. And then he's got to get his feet wet maybe next year, and that could be a slow go. Like There's a lot of question marks involved there. I think long term, like if you said the next 10 years, I'd probably go Franco. Yeah, I would think I would too. But like if you're just going for the next couple of years, like you want to contend now, I think Jazz, like we know what we're getting with Jazz. Obviously, he needs to stay healthy. These hamstring injuries and stuff are just ridiculous. But the dude is a force and he's and he's just so much fun to like like if just rostering him is, is a blast. So that's pretty well, good. I mean, stuff look, at, look at what he's done look what he's done in a month of of just being in the major leagues already. I mean, yeah. You're talking about a guy that's gonna, you know, with health easily get double digit home runs and steals, right? Easily. Yeah. You know, a, it's a, a big, big thing for sure. Of course. So, uh, it's interesting. Um, Simon actually had a Twitter question for us too. Uh, he's a, he's a big listener of the show. Great guy. Um, he's got a Marlins prospect question and I'm not the biggest prospect guy. I love prospects. I used to do them a lot more Then I took on other content that kind of sure. took away from that. But he says thoughts on Luis Diaz, who is up Edward Cabrera and Eliezer Hernandez. I know Hernandez from pitching in the past. We've seen Diaz from time to time. Uh, any thoughts on those three Marlins prospects by chance? I like Hernandez and I, you know, Last year when I was doing a lot of the podcasting with the SP Screamer on the bump stuff, I championed him a lot. And I think all he really needs is an opportunity. And is he going to get that there this year? We don't know. Um, but I think if with given an, an opportunity, he's a solid number three starter. Yeah, I, 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 there was definitely signs of really good stuff last year. I'm with you there. So be curious when he gets his chance this year. He's going to get it eventually. So that'd be one, like, I know Simon asked a lot of questions because he's in a lot of NL-only leagues. So it's always uh, NL-based questions like gotcha. that. And Sar is a guy that it's tough to roster in the moment. Yes. But if he gets the chance, I would definitely roster him. For sure. sure. Absolutely. Um, the other guys I'm not sold on just yet, but, you know, Anderson's out, Cooper's hurt, They're just, and Chisholm's still out. They're reeling from injuries. And in NL-only leagues, you want live bodies. So yeah. If you need to roll the dice, go for it. But I'm with you on Eliezer. We've seen him. Like, there was a point last year where it was, you know, Eliezer, Alcantara, Lopez, and they were all in the conversation together. And now yeah. it's just like Alcantara and Lopez, and Eliezer is kind of hanging out in the minors. It's, it was weird how it all played out, kind of. So I'm with you on that one. All for right. Sure. I think this is the last question we have. Let's more people coming to the chat here. Uh, Mar- Car Marcano, <laughs> our buddy, once again. What does it feel like to be the Jacks' <laughs> father? Oh my gosh! And for those who don't know, Jack is his son. Who uh, Mike does awesome stuff. Like he's always doing stuff with them, playing like doing little league stuff, or they're watching games, and and we get to see it on Twitter, and you can see the fun in it. And Jack's a, he's a fun, fun kid. So uh, what's it like being the Jack's father? It's uh, it's never dull. I can tell you that. <laughs> so my my kids are awesome. My daughter is going just is uh, graduated from eighth grade today and is getting ready for high school next year. And uh, she's a real big history buff. She plays the violin. She's a really cool kid. 
Um, and Jack is uh, really into baseball. This is the year that uh, my wife told me, she said, you, you will eventually brainwash him to be like you when it comes to the baseball stuff. Um, and he's been pitching for our team this year and doing a really nice job. He, uh, he takes the ball. He, uh, he's not afraid. He challenges guys. And uh, if he gives up a hit, he's just like, yeah, whatever. Um, I just tell him, try to avoid the walks. So, you know, that's, those always end up coming back to haunt you about 44% of the time. He's like, what are you talking about? Uh, but um, yeah, he's, he's a really, he's a great kid too. He's a, he's high energy, high volume. Um, he's a good dude though. I really like him a lot. Yeah. I can see in a lot of your guys' pictures. He just has that. It is funny. You mentioned he's, he looks like he's got the attitude of just like, whatever, but also like, he's just having fun. He's always got a smile. He's like intrigued with what he's doing. Um, it seems like a, a, a fun, cool kid. Yeah, so, he's uh, he's having fun with the baseball this year. He asked me the other day. We we um we go to the high school games quite a bit over here, and he said that pitchers don't have to hit, huh? He goes, that could be my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, funny. Yeah, that's we're funny. Having, we're having a good time. We've got a lot of his buddies on the team this year, and so it's been uh, a lot of fun. But we we have a good time most of the time. So that's great. That's great to hear. Well, we're gonna wrap it up on that note, Mike. This has been an absolute awesome time i've really really enjoyed chatting with you um i'm looking forward to doing it again sometime that'll but be great before we take off again remind everybody where they can find you on twitter your content all that good stuff sure so um again it was a pleasure to be on with you bubba It was just like a honestly kind of like a dream come true for me to be on with you i've been listening to your show for a really long time and been a huge fan so to be able to be on it is really cool for me um okay. i'm at mdrc0508 the most ridiculous twitter handle of all time i am not a doctor despite what some of these people are saying uh i'm a school principal at a therapeutic day school for kids that have social and emotional disorders. And I work for about four different websites right now. I'm working at um, SP Streamer. I work at Roto Fanatic and I work do a piece for Fantrax once a week. And I also work for another website that's not fantasy related called Nine Any Know It All. So I got enough to keep me busy. Um, I really enjoy doing it. I, I really would like to say thanks to all the people who read what I put out and have been so supportive. I mean, a year ago at this time, um, I had no idea what was going on. And I was just kind of trying to get along for the ride. And I've met so many great people through this. Uh, it has been an absolute blast. I can't believe how welcoming everybody has been. It's been awesome. Yeah, well, you do you do great work. Like I said, I'm not just, you know, trying to fluff you up because you're on the show. You really do. And um, it's just it's a testament to like we've told people I've been on other shows. They've asked things that if you want to be in the deal, just start wherever you can. Don't say no. It's a very friendly community. It really is. Like, there's always bumps on the logs in anything you do. But all in all, it's a really, really good place to be. And you're living proof. Like you said, a, a year ago, you were just kind of hanging out. And now, look at you now. White writing everywhere, podcasting, having all kinds of fun. So um, I appreciate you joining me. And I look forward to what's next. And I seriously look forward to chatting with you again on the show. Thanks, Bubba, for having me. I really appreciate that. No problem. Everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 374. Catch you all later. Bye.